Thank you for listening to the Cross Loganville's podcast. We will continue our series on hurry. John Ortberg. Okay, he is a, he's a great writer. I've read quite a few of his things over the years. Uh, but he made this observation. And he poses this question right out of the gate. He said, is it possible... Is it possible that what we perceive to be relational, emotional, and spiritual problems are actually hearing problems? Is it possible that we have ears that have become deafened to the voice of God? I want you to think about that. I'm going to build on this, and then we're going to get to really the topic that we're talking about today. But if you were honest just in your quiet time, uh, as you sit before the Lord, Ask this question, am I in tune with the voice of God? Is my heart postured in such a way that I can can really hear from God? Mark Batterson, he's written a book called Whisper, and he talks about in this book uh, the Tomatus effect. Never heard it, started researching it, found it very interesting. But more than 50 years ago, a doctor by the name of Alfred Tomatis, who was an otolaryngologist. How do you like that one right there, Sandy? Andrew, you guys in that nursing space, brother. I'm like, man, I'm afraid I'm going to butcher that word right there, otolaryngologist, which really means a specialized ENT, right? I mean, I started researching. I'm like, what is that? He's a specialized ENT. But he treated a famous opera singer that had lost his ability to hit certain notes. And I'm going through this going, this is interesting. Dr. Tomatis discovered that inside an opera singer's skull, sound magnifies. He concluded, this is interesting, that the sound of the opera singer's own voice had deafened him. His own voice had deafened him. And because he couldn't hear the note, he could no longer sing the note. And, and it got me thinking that the sound of our own voice can deafen us. And the truth is, so much negative self-talk can deafen us in such a way that it throws our life out of key. I mean, you think about so much of what we entertain in regards to the voices of criticism or condemnation or the voices of comparison or the continual lies that we listen to can get us to a place so that we're not even able to hear the voice of God. And the result is God's word when we read it or God's voice that's trying to speak to us becomes muted because we're listening to all this other stuff. And I promise you today, if you can't hear God's voice, you can't sing a song. You've got to get to a place where you're able to hear and recognize and receive God's voice. So the question is, here's the question. Is God's voice the loudest voice in your life today? Is God's voice the dominant voice in your life? The key to walking with God is being able to hear God. If you go, God's voice is not the dominant voice in my life, you've got a problem. Because God wants us to hear him, and then God wants us to obey him, and then God gives us selectively certain assignments that he wants us to walk in. I was pondering over in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and if you recall this story, Eli 
uh, he's going deaf. He, he can't hardly hear. And, and the Lord woke up Samuel. And Samuel, not knowing the voice of the Lord yet, because God hadn't spoken to him, he goes to Eli and says, uh, uh, did you call me? And he goes, Eli says, no, I, I didn't call you. A second time, the Lord speaks to young Samuel, and he runs to Eli. And he goes, did, did, you, did you want me? Did you call my name? And he goes, no. And then he goes, here's what's happening, uh, Samuel. But the Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is speaking to you. And the next time he awakens you, all you've got to say is, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. I was like, yes. And that should be the posture of our heart, right? That should be the prayer that we're praying. Lord, speak, because your servant is listening. Your servant wants to hear what you have to say. But I will, I will tell you this, and you've got to understand this, and I think this is where so many so-called Christ followers and Christians kind of snag. If you're not willing to listen to everything God has to say, you will eventually get to the place where you won't hear anything that God has to say. And so for so many, we want to a la carte scripture. We want to cut and paste, and we, we want to select what we want and, and, and disobey the rest. But I can promise you this. If you're wanting to hear his comforting voice, you got to be willing to look, listen to his convicting voice. And there's so many people that run to God wanting to be comforted in those tough times. But when the convicting voice of God comes, it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and we have to posture our hearts in such a way where we say, speak whatever you want to say, your servant is listening. So, so again, You've got, you've got to ask these questions, okay? And the question is, is, is my true heart's desire to hear what God says? Deep down inside, eliminate all the fluff. Do I really want to hear what God has to say? So we talked last week about the practice and discipline and rhythm of silence and solitude, being alone with God. It's like the Lord just wants us to spend time with him, uh, along with him, wilderness, solitude, aloneness. We establish that, which, which, which means giving attention to God, giving attention to God leads us to true devotion to be able to worship God. Attention. I, I got to give God attention. And when I do that, Trey, when I give God attention, attention starts to lead me to deeper awareness and deeper awareness is going to lead me to adoration. God wants us to give him all of our adoration, but it starts by giving him attention. And attention, God starts to blow our minds with, hey, look at, look at really who I am. I'm, I'm going to allow you to become aware of who I am so that you will worship me in spirit and truth so that your affection and your adoration is lined up with me. Here's what, here's what we know. Whatever you give your attention to is the person you become. What are you giving your attention to? Because the mind is the gateway to the soul. Whatever I'm giving my attention to ultimately leads to what I'm ultimately aware of and where my adoration and affection is. And so whatever you fill your mind with starts to shape the character that you have. It's the battlefield of the mind taking every thought captive. And so whatever I'm, I'm filling my mind with and giving my attention to is the person I'm going to become. 
And, and you would just be wise to know that your life really is the result of what you constantly give your attention to. It, it, worship and joy really starts to take root and begin when my attention and affection is given to God. Oh, that's where my mind is fixed. That's where my attention is given. And, and I believe that so many, even in the church today, struggle with spiritual ADD. We've got this attention deficit disorder, but because we're not listening to God, God's not the object of our affection, and our minds get fixated on all these things that do not matter. And when you look at so many, you're like, what, what, what's his problem? He's got spiritual ADD. He's got this attention deficit disorder. His mind is over here instead of on the things of God. And Isaiah 26, 3 says, I'll keep you in perfect peace if you'll just keep your mind fixed on me. I would memorize that verse, Isaiah 26, 3. Uh, I want your mind to stay fixed on me. Dallas Willard said this. He said, uh, desire is infinite. Desire is infinite. We were made by God, for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. And we can only be satisfied by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all of our needs. We are only at home when we're with God. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains. But it is replaced by the things that will certainly lead to destruction. God has made us in his image. We're made for eternity, for infinity, if you will. And he goes, you, you, you want to realize, uh, all of us need to, to get here, you, you, you need to realize that when you try to replace the things of God with the stuff of the earth, it's going to lead you to all kinds of destruction. And, and, and the emphasis is this, nothing in life, nothing apart from God will ever be able to satisfy your, your soul. It will never be able to satisfy the, the deepest parts of you. Why? You were made by God, for God. You need God. And the wisest thing we, we, we could conclude is, I want to be in a place every day where I, I'm desperate for God. I'm desperate to know God. The deepest desires of my heart are fixed on God. So since we were made by God and for God to need God to run to God, God goes, I'm going to give you a gift. Now, 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 this is going to be trippy to unpackage this. I want you to hear me. I'm going to give you a gift. And one of these gifts that I'm going to give you is called Sabbath. Sabbath. The word Sabbath in Hebrew is the word Shabbat. Shabbat. And a few years back when we were there in Israel, that sundown Friday till sundown Saturday, you would encounter people and they would say, Shabbat, it's Sabbath. And for the Jew who is really a follower of Judaism, Shabbat and Sabbath meant everything. You want a working definition of Sabbath? Shabbat is powerful. It means to stop and to delight. Stop. Delight. The Sabbath is a day to stop working. Stop worrying. Stop wanting. Just 
stop and delight. Delight in the goodness of God. Celebrate God. Honor God. Allow all of your attention and affection to be given to God. And when you study the pages of Scripture, the Sabbath was not just a day. It was a way of life. It was everything. And, and, and we live in this culture today that's eliminated the sacredness of Sabbath. But when you start to get there, you're entering into the rest of the Lord. You're entering into the joy of the Lord, the, the rhythms of the Lord. And, and what you're ending, ending up doing is, it's like declaring that my, my abiding is in Christ alone. I'm yielding, I'm remaining, I'm I'm totally attached to God and the Father's love and the, the, the Father's presence, I'm just hanging in it. I'm entering into that rest. St. Augustine made this statement. He said, God, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. God, you made us for you. We exist for your glory. The only reason we're on the planet is because you made us. So, so the question is, is my life filled with being restful or is it flooded with being restless? And Ronnie, you counsel with so many people, brother. And when you start to sit down with so many, they're just restless. They're overwhelmed. Let, let me give you some contrast. A restful person versus a restless person. A restful person will have boundaries, a restless person has no guardrails. They're just kind of winging it. Life is disarray. A person who is walking in rest will slow down. But a restless person is always in a hurry, busy. A restful person enjoys some quiet time and a long time and getting away. A, a restless person They've got to have noise around them. They, they don't want to turn off the world. They can't sit with their own thoughts. A, a, a person who is walking in the rest of the Lord, they end up having deep relationships. A restless person, they, they oftentimes isolate and they pinball and they don't connect. A restful person is good with spending time alone again. A restless person, I've got to have crowds. A, a, a person of rest they delight in life. They delight in the joy of the Lord. A restless person, their life is flooded with distractions. If you're walking in the rest of the Lord, you can enjoy a person who is restless. If you notice their indicators, they're always envious of somebody else. Is your life flooded with enjoyment or more with envy? Is it flooded more with clarity or with confusion? Gratitude or greed? These are indicators. These are the contrast things. Contentment or discontentment? Trust or worry? Love or are you just angry and mad? I mean, joy or sadness? Are you walking in peace or anxiety? Are you working from love because you're abiding and you know you're loved by God? Or are you working for love? There's a big difference. Are you working... To contribute, or are you working just to accumulate? Think about it. This list will be 
upload it on our website, but I, I want you to think through this. It's like, where am I? Do, is my life filled with rest, or am I just a restless person? Which best describes you? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 says, and let us do our best to enter the rest, this rest of the Lord. But if we disobey God like the people of Israel did, we're going to fall. Let us enter into this rest. Let us enter into this place of tranquility and peace and delight. Because if we do like Israel, again, the pages are flooded with all their rebellion. He goes, you're going to fall. You're going to stumble. You're going to screw your life up. So if we're going to practice Sabbath in this culture today, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take self-control. You're going to have to be intentional and purposeful. Is practicing Sabbath hard in this culture today? Yes, because it's been eliminated. It's not even a concept that people consider. But it's going to take preparation. But I can promise you this. When you sanctify that day unto the Lord, and it, it, it might be Saturday. For most of us, we look and go, it's Sunday. I can promise you when you start to sanctify that Sabbath day unto the Lord to stop and delight, you'll end up saying no to good things so that you can say yes to the best thing, which is hanging with God. And so many of us, Settle for that which is good. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, listen to what Jesus said. The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man. He goes on to say, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created by God as a gift from God to be enjoyed and employed, practiced Weekly in our lives. Hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this day. It's made for man, but it's got to be received. A.J. Swoboda has written a lot about the Sabbath, and I love what he had to say. He said to keep a Sabbath, this is so powerful, to keep a Sabbath is to give time and space on our calendars for the grace of God, to practice it. I'm scheduling this one day, to be with God. He continues, the Sabbath has been forgotten by the church, which has mimicked more the rhythms of the industrial, success-obsessed West. And the result is, as people now, we do not know how to sit with God anymore. We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. I read that and I was like exhausted, overworked, spiritually malnourished. Why? Because we do not sit with God. We do not stop. We do not delight. If you study scripture, going all the way back to the book of Genesis, how it starts in the beginning, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the scripture says after six days of getting the universe up and running, we read the following. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, listen, 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 he, God, rested from all of his work. 
Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all of his work. The God of all creation. Did you get it? Did you get it? Rested. Which implies our God is not pro-exhaustion. Our God is not saying burn the candle on both ends. Our God is not pro seven-day work weeks. God blessed the Sabbath, blessed, and made it holy. He sanctified it and set it apart. Dan Allender made this observation. He said the Sabbath is an invitation to enter into delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question, the best day of the week, it is the day we anticipate. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast and play and dance and sing and pray and laugh and tell stories. We read and we walk and we watch creation in its fullness. Allender goes on to say, few people are willing to enter into the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy with the Lord is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, much less a week. It's more than most people can bear in a lifetime, much less than a week. He goes, do you realize that when you sanctify this day, you anticipate this day, it is the day you look forward to more than any other day? Because I stop, this day is sanctified unto the Lord. So you read that God blessed this day. God blessed humans. God blessed animals. And God blessed this day. So what do we know about humans? What do we know about animals? We know that they're life-giving and they have the ability to procreate. What do we know about this one day, this holy day? It is life-giving and it has the ability to procreate. I was reading about this uh, one doctor that did a survey of American people, if you will, just studying majority North America. And he was, I talked to my buddy Tim about this this week, this is so powerful. But he, uh, he was looking at who are the healthiest and appear to be the happiest people on the planet. At the top of the list was a group of Christ followers called Seventh Day Adventists who practice Sabbath every week. Listen to this right here from a medical standpoint even. The doctor noted that they lived, you don't want to miss this. The doctor noted that they lived 10 years longer than the average American. Did you get that? 10 years longer. I got on the Seventh Day Adventist website and started just reading some of the, the practices that they have. I've met many Christ followers that are Seventh-day Adventists. They teach that you should implement a balanced diet. That would be wise. Most of the Seventh-day Adventists are even vegetarian. They uh, teach that you should exercise regularly. You should drink adequate amounts of water. You should have wise exposure to the sun and even fresh air. How about that? You should abstain from alcohol, tobacco, or any other harmful substances. You should get adequate sleep and rest. And most importantly, 
You should trust God and practice Sabbath. Their conclusion is these practices, don't, don't miss this. These practices enhance and maintain healthy immunity. Did y'all did you hear that? So even Dallas, as we go through this from a nutritional standpoint and a health standpoint, and, and you will hear people oftentimes as we hang out with people that are mindful of what God's put in motion. Hey, drink a gallon of water a day. Watch what you put in your body. Eliminate the amounts of caffeine. Reduce, almost eliminate any type of alcohol. Paul said, Timothy, a little wine here and there is good for you. But don't become a drunk. Get outside. Vitamin D created by God is so healthy for the body. Get out of the house. Move around. Do the re- Why? Practice Sabbath. Practice Sabbath. Why? Because it's going to make your immune system so much stronger. It's going to help you so much. And so if you practice a Sabbath, do the math. Even the doctor said they live about 10 years longer than the average American. If you take a Sabbath and multiply it, time about 70 years on the planet, ends up being about 10 years. It's life-giving. It's not life-restricting. God put this in motion to protect his people. Even when you study, he's like, hey, you got to give the soil a year off about every seven years to let it rest and heal. There's so many things God's put in motion in, in Scripture for our benefit. Hey, I'm, I'm going to create the Sabbath for man. It's going to be my gift to you to enjoy. You want to hear something crazy? Do your own study. But if you open up the Bible to Exodus chapter 20 and you look at the Ten Commands, you know what the longest one and explanation is out of the ten? Shall have no other gods before me. Do not commit murder. Do not commit adultery. Don't steal and rip somebody off. You know what the longest one is? You got it. Exodus 20 starting in verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath. This is, I mean, God gives so much attention to this. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the Sabbath is a Sabbath. Stop and delight of resting and honoring God dedicated to the Lord. On that day, on that day, no one in your household may do any work. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why God blessed the Sabbath and set it apart, sanctified it as holy. That's so, he gives so much attention. Hey, I'm going to give you this gift. But I want you to remember, you got to remember. And if you study the the Israelites, constantly, even as you get into this, remember, 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 remember. Do you know that that word is used over 350 times in the scripture? Future generations want you to know God, want you to walk with God. You got to remember. You got to remember what God has done, what God has set apart. Remember, chill, unplug. Why? Why? Because the body and the mind eventually wears out. 
got to reset, got to recharge, got to defrag. You think about the mind, your mind, my mind, right? I mean, I, I remember way back, I'm like, man, I could read a book of Scripture, and I'm like, man, I can memorize that. I'm like, oh, I got a photographic memory. And now I feel like it's run out of film. You know what I'm saying? You remember when David, it was so much easier to memorize stuff, and now you're like, we grow mentally tired, and what ends up happening is people become numb and distracted and irritated and angry and rude and sarcastic, and we become so overwhelmed because we're not stepping back, resetting, Shabbating. And what, what, what ends up happening is, you look at our culture, um, emotionally unhealthy is kind of the norm of people today. Man, they're so emotionally unhealthy. Our bodies are going to get tired and worn out. We break down, right? Our immune systems start to deteriorate. And, and, and what we see is uh, you've got another cold, you've got another sickness, you've got another infection that comes on. It's like, well, what happened? Man, I got high blood pressure, I got this. And our bodies are saying, hey, I'm trying to get your attention. You got to chill, you got to reset, you got to get away, you got to Shabbat, you got to unplug and get with God. God made you. God invites you to worship him. Y'all with me? And I would challenge you, set aside a day. Start it now. Set aside a day. Clear your schedule. Make room for the grace of God. I'm, I'm going to set apart this one day at least. And I'm going to reset, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to delight, and I'm going to turn off my phone, and I'm not turning on the TV, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to lead me, and I'm going to rest. And, and whatever brings like joy and delight to my soul, I'm unplugging. Let me give you some benefits for observing the Sabbath, even when you study Scripture. One, it's biblical and scriptural to do it. Uh, it is scriptural to stop rest refresh and delight god goes I want, I want you to do that but it's not that we're sliding in here at 9 a.m for the 9 a.m service on two wheels because we're in a hurry and it's not that man i wish this thinking dude from noonan would shut up man because we've got to go somewhere and i got to get to the lake and i got tickets to the game today and and i got that brisket on my Stop! Reset. Get here early. As soon as Nick and these guys begin to worship, breathe into it. Worship God. When you practice Shabbat, it, it, it's not only like it's scriptural and God goes, let me tell you this, it's going to help you. It, it's a sign that I belong to God. The people of God over the years said, we're practicing this. It's a special day for corporate worship. Now the rhythm for evangelicals has become like Sunday. The Jews, it was sundown Friday. But that first Sunday morning when Jesus rises, people go, that, that's 
probably where the practice started or whatever, but it's a day of corporate worship. It's a day to encourage one another. It's a way to show that, God, you provide for me, and I want to stop and just say thank you. I want to give gratitude and just thanks to you for you being good. It's a reminder that God has revealed his son, and I now belong to Jesus, and there's one way to the Father. It's biblical. It's scriptural. God commanded it in the Old Testament. It is a gift. It can help you with proper balance, resetting. It helps you with work and worship and rest and all this stuff. It was like, hold on, man, I got to... I got to check out these rhythms I've got going on. It allows you to set aside time just to worship and focus and to be with family to go, come on, we're going to go hang with God. Some other things I wrote down is it allows you to focus on God instead of trying to fit him into your busy schedule. You just sanctify a day. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, we started to believe that I'm in charge of me, and it's not that my life is a gift from God, but I am a gift to the world. And somewhere along the way, we started believing that the world revolves around me, and, and I'll fit God into where I want to instead of saying, oh, oh, oh. I, I, God, thank you for fitting me and even giving me breath. And we start reading where God goes, I want you to give me one out of seven days to stop, to delight, to recharge. I don't know if I can do that. And then, and then, 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 then even think about this, one out of seven, I can't do it. Then God goes, I want you to tithe, meaning I want you to give me one-tenth out of what you, oh, that's my money. And so somewhere along the, the, the way, we start believing that belongs to me. God goes, I want you to forgive generously. I want you to love. I, I, I want you to take everything. All, all these things God put in place was to protect us. And we start to treat them like there's these demands that restrict us. And God goes, stop. The reason Sabbath works is because I want you to know me better. You're, you're going to set aside this time. I want your mind and body to heal. I, 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 I want you to spend time with family and friends. I want you to slow down and realize your limitations. You see how uncomfortable this message right here is for all of us? You see the lack of amens and hallelujahs and high fives going on with this one? You see why speaking into this space of hurry is so important? Because I need it and you do. I need it. It amazes me how in one generation, think about it, Sunday evolved from a day of rest and worship to a day of buy more stuff, Run more errands, eat out, ball games, etc. I, I I know for many of us, Spencer, when we were growing up, and, and Ronnie, we talked about this. I remember growing up and nothing was open on Sunday. Y'all remember that? Remember that Dallas? I mean nothing. Sandy, there was nothing open on Sunday. 
It was just like, and Ronnie, we even talked about this the other day. You, you remember growing up in the South that even businesses and others would shut down on Wednesday afternoon, some around two or three, because Wednesday was a night of prayer meeting and worship to kind of that midweek reset. Remember that? What do you got on Sunday? Nothing. You, you know when I was growing up, there was no ball games on Sunday. Went to the ballpark. We didn't. Even not going to church and even not being a, a family of faith for all those years, my mom and dad still had this sacred view toward what Sunday was. And why God would bless Truett, Kathy, I don't know. The fact that that man would practice Shabbat, that fact that that man would bless his employees, that, the fact that that man would take care of so many of those that worked for him and scholarship them, you know what he did? No, we're not opening. Six days is enough. We're, we're going to have a day off. We're shutting it down to honor God. It is your responsibility. It is to follow Scripture and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's yours. I've had people ask me over the years, should I take a job where I have to work on Sunday? I'm not going to tell you what to do. But all I will tell you is you better have one full day, if you do, that you sanctify is your Shabbat and Sabbath unto the Lord. Should I take a job that uh, is going to make me work overtime? I, you, you make that call on what it's doing to your heart and your rhythm. Should I do homework on Sunday? I don't know. You figure it out, but you better sanctify a day unto the Lord. Do you think it's okay to play ball on Sunday? Uh, the Sabbath is a gift and a command. Sanctify a day. Does it have to be Sunday? I'm not telling you it has to be Sunday. But Sunday is the day that we're, if we're wise with the rhythms of most of us, it's like, no, I'm not doing anything that day. Right, Ronnie? It would help us reset. Remember the movie Chariots of Fire and Eric Little? Remember that dude, man, was a, a serious runner, but he refused to go uh, to the Olympic trials that they were running on a Sunday. And he's like, ah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not running on Sunday. And it cost him and people, man, put so much pressure on him. And they're like, that's the day we're doing it, man. You're one of the best the nation's got. Let's do it. And he goes, not going to happen. What did he do? If you study his life, he goes, I got to preach that day. I'm going to worship. I'm saying that's the day sanctified to the Lord. I ain't giving it up. And people mocked him and laughed at him. I'm not going to condemn you and judge you, and I would encourage you wherever others land in regards to their rhythm. God has not permitted us to judge and condemn and ridicule other people. But, but I can tell you this. The Sabbath and having a Sabbath is not to be treated like every other day of the week. As we go into this, we could change this thing up. We, we can do it. It takes one individual and, and then a, a husband and wife, if you're married or whatever, you could start to create this rhythm of practicing Shabbat, if you will. So we're going to stop. We're going to rest. We're going to delight. We're going to enjoy God. We're going to dance. We're going to sing. We're going to hang. 
but we're not, gonna get, we're, not, we're not buying into the rat race. We're not going to do it. I promise you, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to add 10 years to your life, but it might. Trusting God in resetting and recharging, I can promise you this, it's a gift. And so my encouragement to you today as we eliminate this ruthless elimination of hurry in our lives, I promise you this. Sanctify a day to the Lord. Sanctify, first of all, your life to the Lord and go, wow, all that stuff in Scripture right there was given for us for our benefit, not to restrict us. Hmm. God is not a killjoy after all. He's a joyful God that offers life to us. Now, breathe and reset. So it, it starts with surrender to and then saying, now, I want to create these rhythms and disciplines for the glory of God. Let's pray it up and move into a time of prayer.